Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore how to make space for everyone in the yoga community. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. Hi, I'm your host, Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of Accessible Yoga. And I'm your co-host, Amber Carnes. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Board of Directors. Hi, everybody. We're back. This is Jeevana. I'm here with Amber. Hi, Amber. Hey, how's it going? Good. We get to have <laughs> another conversation about COVID. All right. <laughs> <laughs> As, um, well, I was going to say job security, but like it's not actually our job to talk about COVID, but we can pretend that it is for the next 30 to 50. No, I'm a yoga teacher, so um, I'm not a COVID expert. We should just say that up front. But, but we got to talk about COVID because it's just continuing to impact everyone's lives yeah. and our own and mm-hmm. yoga, the yoga community. So I think we just got to keep talking about it. Yep. Yep. But how how are you other than COVID? How are you? Honestly, I mean, it's, it's funny when people ask that question, because I feel like now there needs to be like, I'm okay. And then there's the version that's like, well, I'm not currently sick with COVID and I have a roof over my head and I'm that kind of okay, (laughs) you know, but not like doing great. I feel like, you know, 2021 has been a very challenging year for me. And I was kind of reflecting on that, you know, as everyone seems to be doing at the end of the year. And um, like, it's been a hard one. You know, there's been a lot of uncertainty and change of plans back and forth because of the way this pandemic has planned out or played out. And, um, you know, I'm feeling a bit burnt out and a bit lost uh as far as like knowing the the right way to turn i know we're going to talk about some of that today because you know when uh the government kind of like leaves us on our own to as individual you know event planners or teachers or business owners to like well i don't know like figure it out there's not a plan um it's hard to know what the right thing to do is sometimes you know and so I've been really spending a lot of time reflecting on on that and on the like, you know, pros and cons of, okay, well, there's this mental health benefit that we get from gathering together, but then very real physical risks and and, uh, not benefits. What's the opposite of a benefit? (laughs) Pros and cons. (sighs) Cons to gathering, which can include like actual life or death consequences. And so... I don't know. I've been sitting with a lot of that and feeling a lot of uncertainty um, about how my work moves forward. But also on the other side of that, this year has been really good in certain ways, including like, you know, I'm spending a lot of time outdoors and on my bike and now I got roller skates. So like, I don't know, there's little bits of joy that I've been able to connect with in that way. And I know I have to say, As someone who, you know, has had a long contentious relationship with my own body over the years, including like the new challenges that have come up when um, aging has started to show up or, you know, existing in a fat body at a certain size for a long time. And now my body is a different size. Like even with those challenges coming up, I have to say that this year has really given me a new appreciation for my body, including navigating like two major injuries that I've had to like rehabilitate from. And 
even though, you know, so much has happened in that way, like I've also been able to kind of pull back and marvel at the ways that like my body can recover and my body can show up for me, even when like my mind doesn't want to, or the circumstances are such that I feel despair or sorrow or whatever, like there's still this kind of constant that I can count on. Not that it doesn't change every day, not that I can't get put out of commission quickly because that's happened a few times, but you know, it's been sort of like this, I don't know, like a metronome in the background. That's like, you know, kind of like the breath is, and we talk about the breath in yoga, like you can always go back there. And I've kind of felt that way this year that like, even when I feel like I'm going to lose it (laughs) mentally, or Mm. I feel so sad because of the way that like, I don't know, just the realities of the world that we're living in. Um, I can always like have this place to go. And so uh, that was a long answer to like, how are you doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's okay, not simple these days. <laughs> I, I just want to know a little more about the roller skating. Uh-huh. It's so exciting to me. <laughs> I used to roller skate when I was a kid. I've I got back into biking actually too. It's like biking has become yes. a great outlet for me personally. Like I agree, like being home all the time, I've had to find new ways to get out into the world, you know, that feels safer. And, um, so biking has been really healthy, healthy, but I hadn't thought about roller skating until I saw you running around on your, you know, glowy skates. I know they're so cool. Right. (laughs) My mom got me these wheels for Christmas that like they light up when you roll. There's like a little magnet inside. Uh, I know. I love that. They're so fun. (laughs) That's so awesome. Um, all right. So, Let's talk about COVID though. You know, the thing that, the thing that I've been thinking, like, again, it's just reminding me so much of the AIDS epidemic and Mm -hmm. those days, you know, this feeling, well, the way the, the way the CDC is kind of like just (laughs) letting it all go, just like do whatever the hell you want, you know, like quote every man for themselves garbage. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like, um, Reminds me of the AIDS days when there was no, there was no support. There was no government intervention. There was no one, there was no one there to rely on to, no one was coming to to help. Right. And that's what got me so into activism, I think, is just the realization back then that, you know, so many of my friends were sick and, and dying and like no one was coming nothing was happening there was like a very minor response you know at the beginning there was even an effort to cover it up to pretend it wasn't happening because of homophobia Mm -hmm. like there was some people who wanted gay men to die in the beginning you know and were very vocal about that and then it was like and some of those people were president (laughs) at the time, like uh-huh. Ronald Reagan, you know, right. anyway, I'm just saying like, I feel there that parallels. again. Yeah, for sure. I'm feeling that way again. Cause it just feels like, you know, my activism came out of the fact that I felt like, okay, if no one's coming to save you, then you got to do something. You got to just speak up for yourself and for those who are suffering and struggling. You know, we have to care for each other. Um, reminds me of, you know, Desmond Tutu recently died, and I was just thinking about some of his incredible 
quotes and work. Um, let's see. I had I had a quote from him somewhere I was going to read. Well, this is his famous one he talks about. He says, if you're neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me, there's a famous quote um, by the um, Jewish activist. What's his name? Okay, I'll think. Oh, okay, I'll have to find that one. But what do you think of that, that quote? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this recently with the new CDC guidelines that just came out, what, a couple of days ago, that basically they admitted to um, shortening the (laughs) recommended isolation period because they've caved to the pressure of big business because people aren't coming to work because they're sick. And, you know, how, how you said that sort of like, hopelessness that you felt during the AIDS crisis of like, no one's coming to save us, um, activated you. And I've been thinking about that a lot too. Like when is the sort of breaking point of, I guess the American people, I was speaking from my own experience during this pandemic, you know, um, and like, what are we each going to do to respond to this moment? you know, and not be neutral in this circumstance, um, to go back to the quote that you brought up, you know, because I think that when we can very transparently see the ways that our government is not stepping up to support us, that we don't have a social safety net of any kind, there's not a plan for this (laughs) pandemic response, you know, almost two years in, Um, and it can feel really hopeless to be like, okay, well, voting doesn't matter because our legislators are like barely doing their job, um, and not able to pass any legislation that's going to like impact, you know, people's daily lives that are suffering from this pandemic, like poor people, you know, um, if you have money, you have a, a whole different experience in the pandemic. You can stay home and you can be safe, but if you're a worker, then the CDC is basically like, uh, I don't know, drink some ginger ale and feel better because your life is disposable and you need to keep going to work so you can like prop up this yeah. economy. And I feel like when, you know, people get to the point where they're like, okay, the government's not coming to save us. There's no money coming. There's no, then that is a point where like it can be a catalyst for action or like shutdown. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people are at that point, you know, where we're going to have yeah. to make some very real decisions about like, how are we going to move forward? You know, do we keep participating in this system that clearly is designed for our exploitation and that doesn't care about the most marginalized and basically has boiled down a pandemic to an issue of personal responsibility, which is like not how it works um, when there's a health issue that's affecting the entire population, you know, what are we going to do? Like, are, are we able to start, um, finding ways to respond, like in our own family and our own friend group? Like, how are we taking care of one another when the people who are quote unquote supposed to take care of Mm -hmm. us? clearly right. are, are not doing their job, whether, whether that's right or wrong. Like we can wish all day that like, well, it should be this way, but like, it's not. So then what are we going to do from there? You know? Right. And not only are they not, basically, I feel like anyone who has, um, a chronic illness or an, an older person, 
you know, basically people who don't have access to healthcare, they're all being discarded, you know, once again, similar, like that's a parallel I was trying to make to the AIDS epidemic. It's like, it felt like we were the unwanted people and that we were just being left to die. And that's where I was trying to make a parallel between um, a few quotes in my head. Maybe it was confusing, but you know, there's that quote I read from Desmond Tutu and there's a famous quote from Elie Wiesel Mm. talking about the um, Holocaust and the ways that um, he says a very similar thing. He says, we must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. And that reminds me of that um, ACT UP symbol, which was that poster that had a pink triangle, which was mm-hmm. from the Holocaust. That's the symbol that gay men had, were forced to wear during the Holocaust. And uh, the quote, silence equals death. Mm-hmm. And that silence equals death basically means exactly that, you know, that we must speak up in times when they're, when people are being are suffering and there's no one speaking up for them. And I I don't, you know, I think it's hard to see in this situation an exact parallel because COVID is much bigger, I would say, affecting the world, you know, like everyone. But I think we can see that so many oppressed groups are struggling more from COVID Mm -hmm. um, than others. Like we said, like, if it's everyone for themselves, then what happens to people with compromised immune systems and seniors? Because if you look at the numbers, um, seniors are the most at risk yeah. by far, yeah. by far. Yeah. And I think have been the most affected, like as far as deaths and things like that, too. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's another aspect of ableism, which, you know, we, you and I have talked about a lot. <laughs> Yeah. But is really, it is connected to yoga because I get so frustrated in, in yoga too when I see this, you know, practice that is so, the spiritual practice of yoga, which really teaches us that we're all connected, um, even though we're, we have very different lived experiences, that we all share the same heart. And yet yoga is often taught in a way that where people feel separate, excluded, even segregated into groups, you know, like even the level system in yoga, it kind of drives me crazy because it's like, oh, you're advanced. You're an advanced practitioner because you can, because you have a flexible body that's genetic privilege or whatever, not even a privilege. It can actually be a a real problem to be too flexible, right? It can be a, it can be a very serious health condition to be too flexible, like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, for example. But my point being, we, I think, I think the yoga community still is missing out in many ways on connecting the essence of the teachings, which is about universal connection with the way that the community is responding to COVID. You know, I still see stuff around not wearing masks at studio. Even this one post of a studio was like discouraging mask use. Mm-hmm. It just, it shows me that we don't really get what yoga is about. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of um, this bell hooks quote that I've seen posted a lot lately. Bell hooks um, passed away recently as of this podcast. Um, So I'm seeing a lot of her writing um, and I'll read the quote. It says, 
I'm often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. And I I feel like that really does sum up kind of like the way that I feel like this shows up, this kind of spiritual bypassing of what the teachings of yoga actually are instructing us to do, um, which involves a lot of things around collective care and interconnectedness and being able to recognize our own humanity so that we can, you know, go out into the world and, and make change and help other people to, um, and see that in other people, you know, but so many times I feel like we get lost in this, like, well, I have a practice that will make me feel better or, you know, the sort of like individual focus that, Maybe it's manifesting in those ways of like, well, uh, we're not wearing masks. And if you're sick, stay home. And otherwise, just like take care of yourself. And it's like, well, when you have a transmissible disease <laughs> like this, yeah. it doesn't really work that way. You know, it's uh, public health is dependent on the public, like doing what is in best interest for all of us, mm. not just you know, on an individual level, which is like, we may not personally die or be long-term affected by this disease, but there are people who will in a very real way. And so I know that it's exhausting to continue to wear masks two years in when it seems like no one around you, like gives one crap about (laughs) public safety or, you know, masks aren't Mm -hmm. being enforced where you are, or, you know, there's pressure to, um, a certain teacher that you admire, you, you know, is telling you not to get vaccinated or whatever the, the case may be, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think it can be right. And really and you, difficult you, to sustain that. But, but I want to kind of just echo what you're just saying. Wearing yeah. a mask is not selfish. Right. It's actually, it's actually a service to others. Yeah. You know, For and sure. I think that's where we're so confused. It's like getting vaccinated is not selfish. It's service to others. If you can get vaccinated, it's a way to protect people around you who may be sensitive, you know, right. who might be really impacted by getting sick. And I feel like we've missed that, and especially in yoga, which is like that. Well, that quote you read from Bell Hooks is incredible. I mean, she's amazing. She was amazing. Um, and I think that's the heart of the yoga teachings that we have gotten so confused by. It feels like yoga is focused on two things, like not traditionally, like currently, like the way yoga is being viewed is that either you're practicing yoga for your own self-interest that you want to like have some kind of like healthy body, right? Like you want to like be this like perfect, healthy being. So there's this goal in yoga of like, this, I don't know, idealized being, or there's this other goal of the yoga practitioner who's left society and becomes enlightened by themselves in a cave. And it's interesting because I think both that more contemporary goal of like perfect physical beauty and health, and it's, there's so many parallels between that and that like traditional practitioner who's left the world, become a monk and becomes enlightened by themselves. Both of those are so individual, like it's so much about the individual. And I get that yoga is an inner practice. Like we do the practice, you know, we work on ourselves so that we cause less harm in the world. 
mm-hmm. you know, so that we can potentially be of use and create some positive. Although I think it's, I have to admit, it's dangerous to like step into the world thinking that I know better and I'm going to fix everything. Like, that's not what I'm saying either. Like, we don't need to be focused on helping. Like, helping can be dangerous. But service, service is the heart of yoga and service is not helping. It's actually not being attached to the results of your actions, not acting simply for your own ego and your own selfish needs. That's yeah, all or that even because is. you want to see a certain result, right? Like we can be in that space, you know, when we're like, oh, we want to help. We want to, you know, like you said, we know the better way to do it. But like there's a way that you can help people <clears throat> that is about their needs and what uh, what you can do to be of service. And there's a way that we can help people that's about like, proving to people <laughs> that we're a good person or, you know, trying yeah. to trying to get some kind of like gain from that ourselves. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's, I think this question of like mask wearing or vaccination is a perfect mm-hmm. example of where we got it wrong. It's like, that is an act of service or himself. Like there's that article that Wolf Terry wrote in yoga journal where she did a great job. Um, I can, we can put a link in the show notes, but she did a great job really connecting, you know, getting vaccinated to ahimsa, which is really being loving. Right. You know, not harming means being loving to others, caring about others. And I feel like we misunderstand the yoga teachings to be so much about the self, the individual, without understanding our connection to mm-hmm. others and how yoga teaches us to act and how to be in the world, um, which is to be thoughtful, to care for ourselves enough that we don't create more problems. Um, yeah, yeah, I know you I explore talk about this that. a lot in your new book. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I don't know, I was, I was going to mention that. I feel like I've been talking about my new book a lot, but it's just on my mind. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make in the book is that we've I think we've misunderstood some of the teachings, you know, um, to just stop with us, you know, like it's it's just to take care of yourself and then stop there. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that is our job, right? Start, start with yourself, but then, you know, look at how you're acting. That's part of your practice too. Yeah, for sure. So what else can we say about COVID? Well, I don't know. I've been thinking lately about like the way that my business continues to evolve um, in the in the wake of what's coming up on like the third year of pandemic. Um, it's kind of wild to think about that <laughs> fact. Um, it seems like just yesterday that I was canceling all my 2020 events Um And, you know, up until like a couple of weeks ago, I was planning to start booking events in 2022. You know, people are doing it. People have vaccines like people can make their own decisions about uh, their risk profile and all of that. And then Omicron uh, variant showed up. And now all my (laughs) seems like every one of my vaccinated friends has COVID. Um, Mm. And so it, it changed the that factor for me of like, okay, well, 
maybe, you know, I'm real sure that I do want to have some events in 2022. It seems like they may need to take place outdoors. And with, you know, that means I'm not going to be doing things like running a retreat where people come and have shared accommodations, for instance, and have to travel on planes to get there, which is like kind of how my business has operated in the past. Like I have this online following, I'll throw an event somewhere, people come, you know, and I can, I can do that all over the U S and Canada and other places in the world if I want to, which is amazing. Like, yay, internet, like you're bad at so much, but (laughs) this has been, you know, a really good thing for me. But now I don't think that it's actually appropriate to hold events where I'm asking people to travel or to spend a lot of time indoors with other people. And, um, that changes so quickly, right? Like I remember there have been moments in the pandemic where it's like, oh, we're having events and not wearing masks again, as long as everyone's vaccinated. And then like very quickly, that wasn't the case. And then how do you plan, you know, these, Mm -hmm. how do you plan, uh, as someone that throws events that have a date (laughs) and a location and require, you know, marketing to sell tickets and that sort of thing, when the circumstances are constantly changing. And, you know, this is something that I've sat with for the better part of two years. I mean, I've had projects that I've been working on this whole time, but I really haven't developed like my own business and my own work in this time because I feel like I've been just like waiting for circumstances to improve or something to become more clear or like testing to be ubiquitous. So it's easy to, you know, like all of those things. And I feel like, um, you know, I was reflecting, uh, this week about like, how am I going to move forward in 2022? Now I'm not booking those events. Like, actually I need to be able to throw like local events. And I realized like, Oh, well my local network actually like, isn't as strong as I need it to be, to be able to like pivot my business in this way. And so I've kind of just been thinking about like ways that I can strengthen community ties where I am, you know, not knowing like when the bigger circumstance of COVID may change where it's like pretty safe to travel again, um, pretty safe to gather together indoors again, stuff like that. And so I was thinking about that sort of like the difference between online community or, you know, long distance community, kind of how we do with like the accessible yoga conference and things like that. Um, or like a retreat would function versus like, in-person community and how exciting that might be actually to like really shore up my local connections here in Baltimore, not only for the reason of like, oh, then I'll be able to throw local events outdoors next summer, but also like then I have really a, a better idea of like the needs that are arising within my local community, um, including like the ways that we can take care of one another as fellow yoga teachers, as people who are, you know, passionate about this practice, as people who, you know, are wellness practitioners during a pandemic, which I think is like a really weird place to occupy. Right. Like, so I don't know, those are just some things that have been on my mind lately and like ways that we can, that I could personally, but also like all of us can strengthen like our local in-person community, um, in Mm. a way that like, helps to cultivate that safety network that we're not getting from, you know, the government or whoever has like Mm -hmm. that bigger responsibility to take care of us that like we keep each other safe. You know, we, we can Mm -hmm. function in that way. And I don't know, that's just been on my mind. 
Yeah, no, it's such a good question. I think I'm sure all yoga teachers still are struggling with that question. Just like, I think a lot of people went back to in-person teaching and things seem to be going okay. And now things have gotten worse again. And so then, you know, do we stop doing that? Go back to online teaching, you know, and it's hard because I think some, some communities didn't have access to online classes, you know, like a lot of people who teach in, you know, like schools or senior centers, um, community centers, places like that. Like, it's been great to see those classes coming back. And I, it's sad that it's going to probably stop again, but yeah, I don't know, you know, like as long as you're doing the best you can to keep people safe, you just have to trust yourself and how you feel like really, you know, listen to what your intuition is telling you and, and, and try to make the safest choices you can. But I, I know for myself that online teaching has been really great. I mean, I feel like I'm able to connect with people all over the world this way um, and not just local. So, you know, I think accessible yoga also tried to, you know, serve as best we could during this time and Mm -hmm. move everything online. And I think it made our offerings more accessible in many ways to people that couldn't come to our in-person conferences and so that's been good. And we're going to continue doing online stuff. I mean, I would love to get back to some in-person things eventually. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I also, I had started, I had started scheduling things for next year, trainings in person, and I'm just not anymore. I'm just waiting. Yeah. I think we're just waiting. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it feels like, I don't know, like we're all just waiting to see what happens next. And, you know, will this pass? Will there be another variant? Like, how do you know? How do you know what to do when you have to plan business? Right. Yeah. It's really hard. It is hard. And, you know, I've just been thinking about ways that I can like build a little bit more flexibility into what I do, which means like Mm. reimagining things a little bit, you know, like I might, I might not be able to do these like deep dive type of things that I, you know, like I would at a retreat where we can kind of like, dig into content over a week or like, you know, it takes people a few, a day or two to get comfortable in a group like that and be really, you know, willing to kind of like let your guard down and try on some new things or whatever the, you know, the, the thing is we accomplish there. But like, how can I sort of bring some of the mm, elements of those type of community events into something that might only last like a couple of hours because I'm going to, Mm. you know, have to change that if, (laughs) if COVID does its thing and we have a new variant or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm getting to practice, uh, non-attachment in a new way, right? Like when stuff gets canceled, you know, I, I, I've definitely like told myself the story over the past couple of years since I had to cancel all my stuff the first time, which I don't know, it was like a big, it was a big deal. Like I, you know, had basically like 2020 was like sold out events that I was ready to just go like show mm. up and tell some jokes and teach me yoga. And then like, that was just gone, like in one day. And I've kind of told myself, like, I can't deal with that again, you know, but like, but I have, I have dealt with it many times in my personal life so far. And a couple of times with work where I'm like behind the scenes, pulling some triggers. And then the next day I'm like, oh, this is actually not going to happen, you know? And I have been able to 
continue and to, you know, find ways to deal with the uncertainty and like the anxiety of knowing that literally like the next day, the circumstances could be different again. Um, I I'm think, not, oh, go ahead. I would say, I think that's the key word there, the anxiety, you know, because mm -hmm. I feel like there's a business side, which is hard. It's hard to run a business during times like this when yeah. you don't know what's coming next. But there's also just like the personal side, like just the anxiety of, well, the anxiety of not knowing if you're going to have a business, but also anxiety of just being in a world. Dangerous to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Where you could, you know, you could be sick. Is it a cold? Do you have COVID? It's like, are you going to make, if you do have COVID, does that mean you're going to infect other people? Like it's really such um, difficult times so much anxiety right now. Um, yeah. and I wondered if we could talk about that, like, how yeah, do, how what, do you, are, what are you yeah. doing to deal? Like, I mean, we've talked about anxiety before. It's been a while actually. Mm -hmm. So probably how's your anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have good and bad days. Um, I guess I talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the podcast. So I'm curious to hear like what your, you know, current practices are, but honestly, like, my way of dealing with it has been um, a lot of sort of like tricking myself into, you know, doing things that sort of like bring up that anxiety response, whether that's like something with work or a responsibility I might have by like rewarding myself with stuff that's fun afterwards, Oh wow! <laughs> which includes like the bikes and the skates. So like if I, you know, have to like get my year end accounting stuff done because I'll go to jail if I don't file my taxes, <laughs> then, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, you scan those documents and email them to the accountant. And then you get like a 30 minute skate break in the hallway. So like, uh. Uh -huh. I've really been sort of like keeping that anxiety at bay with physical movement. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that definitely gets me, I would say, out of my head and into my body, which I find that if I'm experiencing anxiety, like one of two things needs to happen. Either I need to, a lot of times I experience anxiety as like an excess of energy. And I sort of feel like, I'm going to fight someone or I'm going to like explode or something like that. And so either I need to burn that off through movement and just like get out of my head and into my body for a minute and like be reminded that I'm like a living organism that requires various forms of care. One of which is movement like, um, or I need to literally drop everything I'm doing and do something from my yoga practice, which most mm -hmm. of the time includes going to my breath. Yeah. Um, well, and so that's, that's a big one for me is like physical movement or like really simple breath practices, like literally like big size with noise out the mouth. Um, you know, doing like lion's breath sometimes, like sometimes it's just like what breathing practice can I literally remember in this moment when I feel like really overwhelmed um, even if that's just like a couple of loud Ujjayi breaths to remind myself that like, hey, you know, you can like step out of this thought loop that's trying to kill you <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and and just be here with your lungs for a minute. Like, yeah. I don't know, Bre breathing practices these days really kind of have that extra little level of profound because I'm like so many people like 
can't breathe right now because they're sick. Mm. You know. Mm. Anyway. Well, that's, what about that's you? Hey, friends, we'll be right back with this week's episode after a short word from one of our supporting organizations, Whole Soul Wellness Yoga. Whole Soul Wellness Yoga is an online, accessible, self-empowering yoga community focused on offering yoga practices for mature adults. You can practice yoga and feel good during practice. Some people might experience challenges like back pain, arthritis, osteoporosis, joint replacements, and stiffer, less mobile bodies with age. Whole Soul Wellness Yoga believes this is the perfect time to turn to yoga as a practice to care for your body and mind while connecting with your spirit. Their mission is to offer accessible and self-empowering yoga so that people can enjoy the benefits of more ease in their body, peace in their mind, and joy in their spirit throughout life's journey. Join Whole Soul Wellness Yoga online or on retreat. I, I have, yeah, I feel similarly like exercise, like biking has helped me a lot. Asana practice similarly, like getting on my mat really helps moving my body, trying to get, um, just trying to get out of my head a bit is definitely key for my anxiety and breathing practices. Yes. And no, like I, I was, I had to take a flight the other day. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to at all, but I had to visit my daughter and it was so stressful. Like I had so much anxiety being on the plane and at the airport and just being in close proximity to other people for, you know, hours at a time. And I really noticed, you know, my anxiety sometimes impacts my breath where I feel short of breath and I can't, you know, it's so interesting. Cause like I have, I have both, I have a pranayama practice and I also have the experience of anxiety really limiting my breath. And so I yeah. kind of go back and forth between them. And my point is that breath isn't always a refuge for me. Like sometimes focusing That's on my right. breath when I'm really anxious can actually make it worse. It makes me, it can make me feel more anxious. And so I think it depends on the way you, the way you process anxiety, um, what your mind does, where it goes. And I think for a lot of people, the breath is that, you know, release. And it is for me when I'm feeling calmer, but it's not often the place I have to start. I usually have to start with asana or something physical or distracting my mind in some way first and then get back to my breath. But I was noticing when I was wearing my mask that I was so conscious of my breath. Mm. And, And sometimes, you know, mask wearing makes me feel like I can't catch my breath. And I think a lot of that is mental, like in my head, you know what I mean? Like, I think it mask wearing brings up anxiety for me sometimes because I can have shortness of breath related to my anxiety. But I also, it also makes me think of pranayama and I, and I've tried, I tried like when I was an airplane, I was working on using pranayama in the with my mask on and I know for people who wear masks all day at work like they're probably really good at this anyway and they get used to it but I don't have to wear a mask all day so for me when I put it on for a couple hours it's like okay wait I have a mask on you know what I mean like I feel yeah, you're aware my of breath it. I'm aware of it yeah and it definitely impacts my breath it's not like I know I'm still breathing fine I'm getting as much oxygen like I totally get it but it does feel different and it so does. I think yeah and your nervous system notices that you know like yeah so and I and I I was look. I was working on that. One thought that came to me was that 
you know, traditionally the, the way I was trained in pranayama was that the, the general goal of pranayama is to slow the breath mm-hmm. and even to have still points in the breath, to almost stop the breath, to be honest. I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but you could even say that the goal of pranayama is to stop the breath in many ways, because what happens is when the, the breath and the mind move together, if the mind is still, like in meditation, then the breath stops. And yeah. so a lot of the more, quote, advanced pranayama practices have to do with breath retention. And it just made me think, well, you know, then I'm still a beginner, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> right. But, you know, I was like, wow, okay, can I slow my breath? And how does that feel in the mask? Because, oh, and the other thing, some, some texts talk about not only slowing your breath, but also controlling the distance the breath moves from your body. Oh, that yeah. One of the practices of pranayama is to keep the prana close to your body and to not allow the breath to move far away, meaning that like mm-hmm. very quiet, still breath is kind of retaining the prana mm-hmm. close to you or in your body rather than letting it go out there in the world, you know, like, like that. Right, right. So you just keep it in the mask. <laughs> keep it in the mask. I was like, that's what the yogis were saying. You know, I was like, wow. So I don't know. I was, it didn't always work, but I sometimes think of that like, oh, this is advanced pranayama. (laughs) I love that. I mean, like for somebody that reframe is going to work. So I hope so. I hope that's helpful. I mean, we're not always ready for advanced pranayama. (laughs) I'm not always ready for it, but you know, when I'm there in that moment, I'm like, oh, okay you know, keep my breath shallow, keep it close to my body, you know, keep it, keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, uh, do you feel like leading us through like a short little breath awareness practice that sure. you could do with a mask on? And I'm just like, I feel like that's such a brilliant and uh, creative way to like apply stuff directly from the yoga teachings, like in a modern context, like this is your thing, I know, but... I just think that's that's brilliant. And, you know, maybe something really practical that if folks are listening, if you're a teacher, you could share with your students something similar. Or uh, if you're a yoga practitioner, like you don't have to have a teaching certificate to tell your friends about things that you find helpful if if this is useful for you. So, um, I mean, I can teach um, kind of what I just described. I can teach maybe Ujjayi breathing. Or, you know, with sensitivity to that, to keeping the breath close to the body. So maybe just take a moment. Yeah, I'll do that. So if you want to sit back or get comfortable, you could put on a mask if you want. (laughs) If If you're not already wearing one, we can use the mask to increase sensation of experiencing the breath close to the body. So, but before we can begin with that, I would just take a moment to, um, scan the body because, you know, yoga again is always about connecting the body's doing physically with what the breath is doing energetically. And then also where the mind is at. So let's just take a moment to explore that. Think about, can you get the body a little more comfortable? Can you release tension somewhere in the body just for a moment? Can you check in with your mind? Notice if there's Any thoughts you can just let go of for a moment, any emotions, you can let them pass and then become sensitive to your breath right now. 
And one of the ways you can become sensitive to your breath is by listening to it or feeling it. So getting connected to that, either the physical sense of breath, like the texture of it or the sound of it. And we can exaggerate that with ujjayi breathing. So ujjayi, ujjayi is where you make a little, uh, like a humming sound, not even a humming, it's like, a, it's like a H or a sound, like um, almost like a wheezing sound in the throat because you're closing the glottis a little bit, but do it really, really gently. So it's almost like you're not even doing a physical movement with the throat, right? There's really doesn't need to be almost any tension there at all. It's very subtle. And let's take a few breaths like that. Let's try, especially on the exhale. So take a relaxed inhale, slowly through the nose, and then a slow exhale again through the nose with a little bit of ujjayi, a little extra sound. And you can see if you can hear that sound inside the head, inside kind of echoing inside of your mask. And do that a few more times. So you're inhaling slowly with a relaxed throat, inhaling through the nose, very slow and long, and then exhaling through the nose again with a slight ujjayi, awareness in the throat. Try to keep the breath close to the body. So imagine as you're inhaling and exhaling that you're keeping the breath very close to you, like right against your skin. Right, you're not allowing it to move very far away. The mask is helping with that. And after the next exhale, you can relax the breath. Take a moment just to notice how you're feeling, checking in again with the mind with the body. And then ending the practice, opening the eyes if you had them closed. How was that? Thank you for that. <laughs> My dog was barking. I hope that was okay. I may like that one. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you for that. Like, no, I feel like that is such a, I don't know, practical thing that I like the opportunity to, you know, have something else to focus on, um, yeah. when maybe I'm not so stoked about <laughs> wearing uh -huh. a mask. I don't know. I mean, I believe in, in wearing one for, you know, the re all the reasons scientific and care wise. And also I get tired of it sometimes. Yeah. Just honestly, yeah. you know, I think we can all say that at this point. So yeah. thank you. For, thank you for that offering. Yeah. I hope that's useful. Um, and maybe people can explore different kinds of breathing they can do with their mask. Yeah. Like alternate and nostril breathing. You could do alternate nostril breathing just in the mind, right? Like that's a good one you could do with your mask. Right. And we'd love to hear from y'all too. If you have, you know, practices that 
are helping sustain you or your students like through yeah. uh, through this long, you know, kind of marathon that we find ourselves in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you in the Accessible Yoga Facebook community, or you can always leave a comment um, through our website. But let us know, like, how are you adapting, you know, your business practices, your personal practices, whatever it is to, to kind of um, continue to, I don't know, adapt, embrace, <laughs> whatever the word is, uh, our current circumstances. So, yeah, great. Thanks, right. Amber. Thanks yeah, for talking to me. Leave it there. We'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, bye. All right, see ya. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, accessibleyoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an Accessible Yoga Ambassador and support the work that we are doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guest you'd like us to interview at accessibleyoga.org. See you next time.